Good morning, Citywide. That was like, after all that worship, like, man. Like a bunch of white people in here. <laughs> he did not just say that, did he? All right. And you all laughed, so that's even worse. No, I'm just joking. Good morning, Citywide. It's so great to be here, and you guys are like, I'm so, uh, I'm excited to be here. Vinny, if we can grab house lights, because I want to see beautiful faces. Actually, turn them up. No, I'm just joking. Uh, so, and you guys, second service, you guys are like, you get the extra blessing, because, because, you don't even know why, and you're clapping, you're like, yes, I'm hungry, I'll receive it. Yeah, I know I'm extra blessed. No, uh. Because my wife gets to be here for this service. I have to tell you, first service, people are like, hey, Kevin, where's your wife? Hey, Kevin, where's your wife? Ask Gary. Like, people are like, hey, is your wife here? Is your wife here? I'm like, like, part of me is like, yeah, I'm stoked because citywide, you guys love my family and you love my wife. And then the other part of me is like, am I not good enough? What's the problem here? And I know the answer to that one, so uh, we won't press into that. It's so good for me to be here. This is like family. Whenever I get to hang out with Citywide, it's like coming home for Thanksgiving. And because uh, you guys are like family uh, to us. And, um, yeah, so we're stoked to be here. Uh, glad you're here. Um, yeah, Carrie is here. Carrie, is there anything you want to say? Carrie said she got teary when she came in. Yeah, she just, this is, yeah. It's a good place, good space. She's getting teary now. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll have Carrie close in prayer. Right now? No, yeah, let's, let's just do it. Go home early. No. I see people heading for the door. No, I'm just joking. Oh. Actually, Carrie, you want to pray for me? To start out with? Vinny, is there a mic that we should use or shouldn't use or... Carrie can just get extra close to me and use my mic. Wow. Hi, guys. <laughs> you want to pray for me? Oh, sure. I'll try not to cry. <laughs> no, you cry. I'm just it glad does. It feels like coming home and like, oh. Anyways, it's good I'm, to be here, guys. I'm just glad you're not crying because it's not I did. That's yeah, good. That's not, a good day for not me. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Jesus, thank you for this church, for this family, Lord. Um, Lord, we just thank you for who they are, Lord, and we thank you for their passion and um, their love for you, Jesus. Lord, we just receive everything that Citywide has, um, and we partner with it, Lord. Yeah. Um, it's such a blessing to us and to this region. Um, Lord, we bless uh, Luis and Yesenia and the girls as they're away. Lord, would you just restore them? Would you bless them? Um, charge their batteries, Lord. Um, give them a, a time, uh, just a joyous time away as family, Lord. And as Kevin's speaking, Lord, I pray that um, you would just have your way. Jesus, have your way. Um, I, I just bless Kevin right now just um, with clarity of communication, Lord. Um, I bless his ears to hear you, Lord. And um, I bless his heart, Lord, just to express himself in a way that would honor you um, and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome. Thanks, Carrie. Uh, so, 
Pastor Lewis uh, said, hey, Kev, you can speak on whatever you want to speak on. I was like, whoa, that's, that's dangerous, giving me that much freedom. And then I think he reworded it. Kevin, speak on whatever Jesus tells you to speak on. I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, so today we're going to talk about honor and humility. We're going to talk about this beautiful marriage between these two things, where honor and humility come, uh, the power of God shows up. Uh, I love how uh, you guys were singing about miracles and then talking about do it again, Lord. Uh, can I tell you my experiences, but, and we'll look at it you know, a little bit today in Scripture, but where a culture of honor and, hu- are in humility are present, um, then Jesus is present, and wherever Jesus is present, miracles are present. Is that good? So how many of you would like to see more miracles take place? Okay. Then good. Then uh, we're gonna, this is what we're going to talk about today. So uh, how many humble people are out there today? Oh, we got a lot of work to do. All right, that's good. Uh, so we're going to do, I want to trigger some of you guys. We're going to do a pop quiz, all right? Uh, some of you got just triggered. Like, whenever a teacher said that to me, like, pop quiz, I'm like, oh, man, just, just give me the F now. Like, I don't want to go through the humiliation, because it didn't matter what class it was. Like, pop quiz day meant, like, failure, right? So, but I'm going to give a pop quiz because here's, here's what we need to do. Especially in church, there's probably not many of us who'd be like, yeah, Kevin, I'm over here. I'm prideful. I'm arrogant. I'm conceited. Uh, you know, that's who I am. Like, no. And, but then we're also in church. There's probably people who are like, there's most of us who aren't like, I'm the most humble person in this room. And, you know, oh, humility is not something I struggle with. We're probably like somewhere in the middle, Right? So this pop quiz is going to reveal areas that we can potentially grow in or that we struggle with in the the, the pride and humility spectrum, okay? So uh, this is just to to help us realize that probably today most of us can hear this message. And I can tell you, I am preaching to myself first. My grandfather, who used to pastor a church, like, where am I? Where's Where's the parking lot? Over there? Like, three blocks that way on Colorado Avenue, my grandfather pastored there for 20 years. So... Uh, I am a son of Connecticut in Bridgeport. I was born in Park City Hospital. Some of you are like, what hospital is that in Bridgeport? After I was born, they shut it down. It's not even in existence anymore. And so, um, I don't know what that says. People are like, don't let him preach here if he's shutting down buildings. Like, all right. Anyway, so we're going to take a pop quiz to, to kind of look and reveal like our pride, humility. By the way, let's just start with this as a whole other message. But here's pride's over here. Pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. Insecurity is still focused on self, right? Where pride is focused on self and says, I'm all that. Insecurity is focused on self and says, uh, it just says, I'm nothing, but it's still a self-focus. Does that make sense? Okay. So pride's over here and humility's over there. So let's, let's look at where these things are in our life. Okay. So when you're at, in line at the grocery store or at the bank, who are you most focused on getting a good place in line? Okay, some of you are answering out loud. That's good. That's, you know, most of us are like, well, if I was going to be honest, you know, or maybe for the right person to get in line. But I'll, I'll put it this When you walked in today into Citywide, who were you most concerned got a comfortable seat in just the right place? Yeah. 
right? Right. Can I, can I tell you about white church? White church, people show up early so they can sit in the back. So they can get out fast. Right? Am I right? People used to show up early and sit in the back. If someone, like, sat in the back, they'd be like, yo, you're in my seat. Don't ask me why. Anyways, that's messed up. You can pray for us. Okay. Uh, so, second question. If I were to take a picture of this amazing group and I were to put that picture up on the screen, who is the first person you look for? Right? Unless you're crushing on someone, right? <laughs> then you look at yourself first. Then you look at, yeah. <laughs> then you go back to yourself to like, man, I hope they're looking at me up there too. <laughs> All right? Okay. And we'll get a little serious. Ready? How readily and willingly do you take feedback or constructive criticism or correction? How readily and willingly, okay, extra credit, do you seek it out? Do you ask for it? Extra, extra credit. How well do you receive it from your subordinates or people younger than you or people less skilled or talented than you? Extra, extra, extra credit. How well do you receive it from people you don't like or respect? Ouch. Question number four. If you're taking notes, you don't have to write these down. Just put F. No, I'm just joking. All right. How well do you take advice from people? How well do you take advice from people? What's your response? What's happening inside you when people give you advice? Now, I'm not talking about the people that shouldn't be giving you advice who give you advice. I'm just talking about good advice. How about this? How well do you take directions from people? Men. <laughs> do you use the instruction manual? No. Uh, I struggle with this one. Even GPS, right? I put on ways to come to put citywide church in, right? It's using global satellites to figure out the fastest way to get me to citywide, to get me here on time. And I'm still like, eh, I don't know about that. I wouldn't have gone that way. Stupid ways. Like, right? Just being honest. All right. How easily do you get offended? How easily do you get offended? Pride and insecurity gets offended real quick. Do you think our culture and our generation is struggling with offense? Okay. When people show up late, how easily do you get offended? I've got a, a friend who's unbelievably humble, and I say that he's like virtually unoffendable. Because I've seen people do things around him, to him, and so on, that like he's completely innocent of. He's the nicest guy in the world, and people do stuff, and he's like virtually unoffendable. He, he's quick to forgive, and I'm like, and it's because he's so humble, he doesn't receive what they're saying, and he doesn't take it as offense, uh, which is just amazing. How quickly do you get offended? How easily do you get offended? It doesn't take much in our culture right now to get offended because we're struggling with pride. How quickly and how deeply do you submit and obey authority? 
especially when you disagree with them. Right? Some of you are like, wait, do you, do you have to obey authority when you disagree with them? Read the book. Read the book. Okay. All right, when you are with people, how much do you talk about yourself? Right? Uh, by the way, if you struggle with this, you probably don't know it. So ask someone else in your life. When they're with you, how much do you talk about you? If you want a, a revealing thing on this one, how, much, how many questions do you ask about the other person? What's going on in your life? How are you doing? Tell me a story about, tell me your story. Do you get them to talk about them or are you just looking for avenues to talk about you? Okay. How easily do you repent or say you're sorry? How easily do you repent or say you're sorry? Pride resists saying sorry because uh, it sees it as a weakness. Pride resists correction. Insecurity sees correction as rejection. Know anybody in your life that when they are given correction, they take it as rejection? And we go like, oh, I don't know. How defensive are they when you correct them? Okay. How easy, how easy is it for you to be vulnerable or transparent and admit your weaknesses? Of course, appropriately, but how willing are you to let people see your weaknesses? Paul, actually, the Apostle Paul said, I boast in my weaknesses. He says, if I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 11.30. Pride says, I don't have any weaknesses. Let me boast all about my strengths. Humility says, I've got weaknesses, and the Lord still loves me. How important to you is it that you are right, and how, is important, to, how important is it to you that others think you're right or know you're right? When you're having a disagreement with somebody, how important is it to you that you are right and that they know you are right? That's called right fighting right fighting. That means this, that you can be right and still be wrong. Like, if you're a husband, you know this. You, you, you've experienced this, that you may have been right, but in your rightness, you were wrong, right? Am I the only one? All right. Guys, y'all can pray for me later. All right. Last question. How do you talk about people when they're not around? How do you talk about people when they're not around? The same as when they are around or to their face or when their mother is there? Right, we're all in our best behavior when their mom's around, right? Because, you know, you might get the shoe if you don't. Okay, we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at that to, to see where insecurity and pride comes out, especially in a culture, you know, where that citywide, I know the calling that's on this place. And to see, we want to see God do everything that God intends to do. Am I right? For that to happen, there needs to be an, 
a culture of honor and humility working together. Jesus is the ultimate example of love where humility and honor are perfectly partnered with each other. But we're going to look at another example today of not only honor and humility, but also pride and insecurity coming out as dishonor as well and see the results of that and see if we can learn anything from it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 12. Old Testament, just start at Genesis, turn right. Numbers chapter 12. If you have your own Bibles, please look it up. I don't care if you have an analog version, old school, or if you've got the digital version on your phone. You can pull out your device right now. I am going to trust that you're looking up Numbers chapter 12. and You're not like tempted to check out Instagram or to see if the Celtics will finally sign a free agent that will help them go over the top. Like me. If you're looking up anything to do with the, the Yankees, Knicks, or Giants, there's the door. No, I'm just joking. All right. Numbers chapter 12. We're going to look at, at this. Let me give you the context for what we're about to read. This is uh, after uh, God has called Moses in the burning bush experience out in the wilderness. It says, I want you to deliver my people. Lead them out of tyranny and oppression of the darkness, of the occult demonic powers of Egypt. And I want you to lead my people out of that slavery and into my promised land. They, uh, Moses has gone back. They have done that. They've seen the 10 plagues. He's, he's led the God's people on their way to the promised land. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've, they've seen Pharaoh get conquered. They've seen the Egyptians get conquered. And now they're continuing to walk through the wilderness because uh, of a moment of of a lack of faith and unbelief when they get to Canaan. And now they're wandering through the desert waiting to get into the promised land. That God has called Moses to lead his people, but there's, other, there's two other people that are also leading with him. One, uh, one of them is Miriam, Moses' older sister. The other one is Aaron, Moses' older brother. These are his, uh, so Miriam was the one who put Moses in the basket and floated him down the river in which he was saved by Pharaoh's daughter, where he grew up in Pharaoh's household. Aaron was also an older brother uh, as well. So there, this is family that's there, and they are in leadership. Now, let me, let me, let's pick it up. Verse 1, chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron, who I just talked about, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now Moses had been married before. His wife has died in the wilderness. He is now taken on a second wife. She's a Cushite, or that's from the region that we now know as Ethiopia. He has married her. There's no problem with this. He's not living in sin. He's not in disobedience. The Lord said, didn't say that they couldn't marry Cushites. He did say they couldn't marry Canaanites because they were so evil. He, 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 she's also must be a believer in God, in Yahweh, because the Lord was very clear that they shouldn't be intermarrying with people who worship idols or other gods. And so the, the problem is Moses has not done anything wrong. But Aaron and Miriam are talking against Moses because of his choice in who he married and that he got married. Now, it's going to be, this is conjecture. I will tell you that there's no proof of this specifically in Scripture because it doesn't say everything that was in Miriam's heart. We're going to see later on, though, that her heart wasn't pure. And I believe that Aaron and Miriam, because they were also in positions of leadership. Let me explain this. Miriam was the prophetess of the people, of God, on, on, on behalf of God. 
God spoke to Miriam that she was one of God's spokespeople and voices. She was a prophet, a prophetess, because she's a woman, for the people of God. That's a pretty high position, don't you think? Being God's mouthpiece for, the, for a nation. Then there's Aaron. Aaron has been called by God to be the high priest over all of Israel. And in fact, we know that through Aaron, there would be the entire line of priesthoods from there on out for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. That through Aaron's line, and Aaron is the first one of them, the high priest. So you've got the prophet to the nation and the high priest to the nation together. Those are pretty substantial positions, right? And so uh, I believe, though, that Moses' first wife held a special place in his heart. That's a good thing. But when she dies, I believe that something in Aaron and Miriam was saying, hey, now that she's dead, and I'm not saying they were happy about it, but there was something in their heart that may say, well, now that she's gone, the first lady is gone, maybe we can take up another notch in our positions of leadership. And so Moses then marries this Cushite. There's something offensive that's happening in them that they respond by talking against Moses. I don't think it has to do with Moses' choice. I have everything to believe that it has to do with their heart. So they start speaking against Moses, talking against him. And then here's a little revelation of what's going on in their heart. Verse 2, they say this. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Now, this is a, a true statement. This isn't a false statement. It's true. God has spoken through Aaron and through Miriam. God has chosen to use them to, to help lead the people of God. The problem wasn't in the statement. It's with the heart attitude. Because here's what they're saying. Who does Moses think he is. Yeah, we know God called them to lead, but maybe in their hearts they're also going, he's also the younger brother, and we see his flaws. And doesn't God speak to us, too? Like, he's not the only one God speaks to. He speaks to us, too. So something's happening in their heart, and it says they talk against him. That, that can be translated, and has been translated in other passages to say they were murmuring. That means that they were talking behind his back, talking about Moses, talking against them, coming from their heart to say, you know, who does he really, he's not, is he that much more special than us? Who does he think he is? Look at verse 2, the second part of verse 2 that says, and the Lord heard this. Ouch. You know, if you're a leader, you can expect people to be murmuring behind your back. If you're not a leader, you can expect people to be murmuring behind your back. Why? <laughs> because pride and insecurity causes us to murmur behind people's backs. But the Lord heard this, and the Lord sees what's going on. Look at verse 3. This is a pivot. It almost seems out of place, but it's central to this thing, this pivot of what the Lord does. Now, Moses was, very, was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, I don't care how humble you are or how humble you think you are. There would be probably few of us that would say, I am the most humble person on the face of the earth. If you make that statement, you're probably revealing that you're not. I'm the most humble person you'll ever meet. How many of you would love to have that like written on your tombstone, though? 
most humble person ever. Carrie, I would love to have that on my tombstone. Here lies Kevin, Mr. Humility. I know it's not going to be on my tombstone because that's not me, but this is what it says about Moses. This is what the word of God is saying about Moses. He was humble. Now, this word humble that's written here, can, uh, it, it, it is absolutely accurate in translation that it means humility, but it carries a little bit more nuanced sense of humility. It means that because of the humility, they are also really faithful. So it's describing Moses as not only humble, but completely faithful. And it even has a deeper context, which means this, that that whoever this is descriptive, so now Moses, is that they're not only humble, they're not only faithful, but they are not assertive in their own agenda or ambition. In other words, it's saying that, that Moses was not only humble, not only faithful, but he really was not about selfish ambition or vain conceit, but basically just wanted to do what God asked him to do. That's the description of Moses. Now, let's see what happens next. Verse 4. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out of the, come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. So they all three went out. This is, anyone ever get called to the principal's office? Just me? Multiple times. How about this? Mom ever say, hey, uh, we need to have a talk. That's usually not a good day, right? I still feel that way. When someone's like, hey, I need to talk to you, Kevin, I'm always like, oh, what did I do? What did I do? Right? <laughs> Come out of the tent, all three of you. Verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. Not only does his voice say come out, he shows up in the pillar of cloud. Uh-oh. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. So he singles them both out and says, let's talk. And when the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. That's pretty good, right? He's basically saying, hey, when there's a prophet among you, I speak to, you, to them in dreams and visions. Maybe at this point, Miriam and Aaron are like, hey, that's us. God has spoken to us in dreams and visions. We must be prophets. So he's affirming this situation. Okay, we're, we're the prophet and the priest over the nation. Okay, God speaks to us in dreams and in visions in that way. But verse 7, here's what God says. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why not stop right there? So you hear what God's saying to them? He's saying, hey, you are prophets because I do speak to you in dreams and riddles. That's a good thing. That's a powerful thing. That's, that's a gifted thing. You didn't deserve it. I gave it to you, and you're walking in it. But Moses is my servant who's more humble and faithful than anyone out. With him, I speak face to face, like a man speaks to his friend, as it says in other passages. And he actually gets to see me. In other words, Moses has more revelation and intimacy because of his humility than you guys have in your giftedness because you're walking in pride. He knows what's going on in their heart. 
In other words, they're kind of saying, they're not using these words, but it's coming from their heart because God hears our heart and sees our heart, not just our words. But they're like, hasn't God spoken to us too? In other words, why is he so special? And the Lord's like, come here. I'll tell you why he's so special. Yes, I do speak to you. But I speak to Moses face to face. He has an intimacy and a revelation from me that you guys don't have because of his humility. That's why he's so special. And then he goes on to say, and why weren't you afraid to speak against my servant Moses? This is Mama Bear coming out. He's saying, who do you think you are? You should be afraid to speak against my beloved. You should be afraid to speak against my chosen leader. You should be afraid because I love him that much. It wasn't that he didn't love Miriam and Aaron. He's just saying, when you talk bad about my servant, Moses, you should be afraid. God is feeling protective over the heart of Moses. Well, let's break this down. We've only got about 10 more minutes. We're going to apply this. Because why is humility and honor so important? Why do they need to outwork together? We all struggle with pride. But you can see as Miriam and Aaron see, you can see God's protective heart. Why did it show up this way? You can put up James 4, 6 on there. It's James 4, 6 that says, but he, being God, gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, and this is a proverb, God opposes the proud but gives more favor to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives more favor or more grace, as some translations say, more grace to the humble. How many of you guys would like God as an opponent? All right. If we were to be honest, some of us are like, yeah, that's what I came from. I came into grace through Jesus Christ, but I was living in opposition with God, and I would say, how is that working for you? None of us want God as an opponent, but God opposes the proud. We see this in happening in Miriam and Aaron's line. Their pride, God is for them, but when their pride leads them to speak against God's chosen servant, God's opposing them and is like, you don't know what's really going on here. What, you should be afraid to do this. And if you look at the rest of the chapter, which we probably won't have time to get to, there was a serious consequence from them responding in arrogance and pride and trying to lower Moses in the heart to lift themselves. God opposes the proud but gives grace and gives favor to the humble. I would love more favor in my life. I would love more of God's blessing and grace and favor in my life. There's nothing I can do to earn it, but I can block it. Well, look at that right now. You can put the next slide up. Pride resists honor. That means giving honor to others because it's afraid of losing power. Pride resists giving other people honor because pride has a belief if I give you honor, I lose honor. If I lift you up, then I lose position and power. If I acknowledge your giftedness, does that diminish my giftedness? If I acknowledge your calling, does that diminish my calling? 
And pride will resist giving true heart honor to other people like Miriam and Aaron. Because if they were to honor Moses the way that Moses should have been honored, would that continue to diminish in their own hearts, in their own lives, that maybe my role as prophet and priest isn't exactly what it is. I'm trying to work my way up. I'm trying to go up. I want to lift myself up. I want to go higher. And the way I do that is by pulling Moses down, not by getting low myself. And so pride resists giving honor to others because it feels a lie that if I do that, I'm lowering myself. And I'm trying to raise myself in pride. Next slide. Humility releases honor to others, which lets favor and grace abound. After I gave these guys my slide, I I actually changed the wording. And I would say this. Humility expresses itself in honor, which which lets favor abound and grace abound. We just saw in James 4 that humility, those who are humble, God gives more grace to, more favor to. Humility, knowing that I've received grace of God, there's nothing I've done to deserve it. There's, even in my giftedness, it all comes from him. Any calling I have, it all comes from him. Any anointing I have, it all comes from him. Any position I have, it all comes from him. I didn't deserve it. And so that humility, when I understand that it's all about him, all for him, all from him, and all to him, then when I lift up other people and honor them, it actually lets God know that he can trust you with more favor and grace because you'll steward it so well, you'll actually release it to others. Second thing is God is so attracted to humility that expresses itself in honor. It does something in his heart. And how do I know that? It's already in there in scripture, which we looked at. But I also know this as a husband and as a dad. You want to to get favor from me? If you want to have heart connection with me, the short circuit way to do that is for you to honor my wife or my kids. You can honor me, and that helps me out. To to be honest with you, in my pride, that probably puffs me up a little bit. But God doesn't have any pride, so even while we worship him, it's not like God's in heaven going, oh, I really needed that right now. I really needed that affirmation. I was having a bad day, but Citywide was worshiping me, and they're lifting me up. I'm like, oh, yeah, they just filled me up. That was great. Yeah. When we worship God, it's acknowledging who he is, but it's... It's also for us because we need to lift him up. He's not insecure. But if you want to have connection with me, you can honor me. But if you want to have deep connection and favor with me, honor my wife and kids. Even if you acknowledge, not my wife, but maybe my kids have some weaknesses and frailties and failures. But when you acknowledge them, because of my love for them, I want to then reach out and embrace you. Because you're honoring what I love. And Miriam and Aaron, they were dishonoring in their hearts and with their mouths. Humility expresses honor pride and insecurity, it dishonors through a word that we may be familiar with, it's criticism. Why? Because here's the deal. Uh, 
Katie Lou says it this way, where there is low honor, there is high judgment. Let me translate. Where there is low honor, there is high criticism. Because criticism is just a form of verbal judgment, isn't it? And criticism, you can put the next slide up, criticism is rooted in pride and actually blocks the fruit of honor. Honor, expressed in humility, brings more favor and grace and lifts everyone up. Criticism, rooted in pride, actually blocks because it opposes God in pride. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It actually blocks out the fruit of honor. It blocks out the fruit of honor. Let's keep going. Next slide. Criticism, because it's rooted in pride, criticism will always lead to relational division and self-destruction. Criticism will always lead to relational division and self-destruction. We have a world right now that lives in pride and expresses itself through criticism. All you have to do is turn on the TV. All you have to do is look up your social media and you'll see people in every single position, every single place around the world, live out their values by criticizing people who disagree with them. Judging them. I don't know, like on every level, whether it's political. We've got a political system that rooted in pride says I will gain power by criticizing my opponents. Not by defending my personal positions, but starting by criticizing other people, their other positions, and it sounds something like this. They're morons, idiots, for not believing or thinking just like me. Am I right? We're seeing it all over the shop. Why? Because there's low honor, high criticism. And we're seeing it all over with the pandemic. We've got people who are going, I'm for vaccines. If you don't get vaccine, you're a moron. You don't care about people. You don't know anything. And then there's other people over here going, vaccines are dangerous. If you get vaccinated, you know, you're going to grow gills and you're going to be a slave to Bill Gates. You're a moron for not thinking like I do. Why? Because there's low humility, high criticism. And it will always lead to relational division. We see it in our world. Is our country not more divided than ever? And it manifests itself in criticism, which will manifest in more relational division. But criticism, judgment, low honor, high criticism will not only lead to relational division, because you know it in your own life. Let me be honest. Do you feel close with people who are critical? Do you trust people who are critical? Do you want to get closer to people who are critical? No. Even critical people don't want to be around critical people. And how do you know it? Because they'll criticize the critical people, right? It will always lead to relational division. Honor creates intimacy. Humility looks for unity. Even in disagreement. I don't agree with everything you say, but I appreciate your passion in what you're saying. I don't agree with all the decisions you've made in life, but you are loved by God and I, you carry his image and I can honor you. I think you've got some brokenness and weaknesses and frailties in your life. Me too, welcome to the club. 
Second part is relational division and self-destruction. Read the rest of the chapter, you'll see that Miriam and Aaron's criticisms, specifically Miriam in this case, her criticism of Moses leads God to giving her leprosy, which was an incurable condition. And in Scripture, which also meant that she needed to leave the community and to go live among the other lepers. Now, when I was reading this, I'm like, that's a little bit harsh, God, isn't that? I mean, that's, you know, we're about grace, not judgment, right? And the cool thing is, is that they, Miriam and Aaron, then go to Moses and say, hey, can you talk to God? This is really bad. Can you ask, if you pray that God would heal me, I believe that God will heal me. In other words, hey, you've got favor with God. Can you throw some my way? Because I got none right now. And Moses, because he's humble, if it was me, I'd been like, uh, not only no, <laughs> but sucks to be you, stop talking about me. <laughs> if it was me, there'd be a billboard on 95 says, my name is Kevin, talk smack about me, you get whacked by God. But because Moses is humble and understands grace and favor, he does go before God and say, can you heal her? Would you take your judgment off of her? And God says, yes. However, she still needs to leave the camp for seven days. After seven days, she can come back. And I was still like, God, I know you're gracious, and I'm thank you for healing her, and that's really good, but still, seven days living out, and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, is saying, no, I actually still have a high calling on Miriam's life, and I need to give her seven days to let her experience the pain of pride so her heart is transformed. That's about Miriam so I can bring her back. The second thing, the second thing is this. She needs to know that criticism always leads to self-destruction. It's trying to lift themselves up but in the kingdom of God, humility lifts up. Criticism brings low. In the kingdom of God, you go low and God will lift you up. In the kingdom of man, you lift yourself up and God brings you low. And then the second thing that felt like the Lord is saying, I also, because she's a leader and because she has influence on people, I need to remove her critical spirit from the, from the people of God so that critical spirit doesn't have an opportunity to lead to more relational division and self-destruction. Because if people feed off of her leadership, that's bad. And second of all this, the Lord, I felt like the Lord is saying this. If you want to be a voice person for me, I will reveal myself to you. But if it comes through the lens of a critical spirit, even the words I give you will release a spirit of criticism and pride to the people I've called into humility and favor. Last slide. Honor recognizes God's perspective, how he sees people. Honor recognizes God's perspective and favor on others, and it attracts his grace to us. I just want to transition right now. James, if you want to come up, that'd be great. We're not, I, I, 
I felt this in the first service, and I'm feeling this now. I, what I don't want to do is, like, lead into, like, uh, um, like a, a time of searching and repentance before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I want to do is have you begin and me begin the continued journey of getting to God's promised land for us by starting us or continuing us or going a little bit deeper for some of us who struggle with this into the process of letting God's grace and favor on our life lead us to an increased humility. That's an individual thing. But then I also want to say this. Citywide, we've known you guys for six years now. Carrie's prophesied over this place. I've prophesied over this place in your leaders and your people. Can I say this? Citywide, you are called like Aaron to be a royal priesthood to the city of Bridgeport, to Fairfield County, to Southern Connecticut, to New England. Citywide, you have a unique gifting on you to be a prophet, to be like Miriam, who was also a worshiper. And there is a unique anointing on this house for prophetic worship that will release God's promises and plans over people and over families and over neighborhoods and over cities. There's an anointing of Aaron and Miriam on this house. There's also an anointing of Moses on this house. That God wants to do something so profound in you, on you, and through you, that you can lead people out of tyranny, out of oppression, out of slavery, out of occult demonic powers into his wonderful light, into the promised land. And I believe that this house is called to be a house of Moses, Miriam's, and Aaron's. And you can't afford not to embrace the culture of honor and humility. And if you allow or participate with pride manifesting in criticism and in judgment. We will never be the people that God has called us to be collectively because you can't enter the promised land of everything God wants to pour out on you until you can be trusted in the wilderness with God's heart and provision that he's already given you. And so I just want to encourage you. I just want you to have each one of you just stand where you are. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And I'm going to trust Lewis and the other leaders, Yusinian and other leaders in this house to figure out what this means for you guys as a community. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility right now is just, you know, like a three-by-three three section in front of you right now. That means your space. You're responsible for yourself. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your head, and I just encourage you just to spend some time with the Lord and asking Him, God, I want the fruit of humility. I want the favor that comes through going low 
I want to see my brothers and sisters experience a culture of honor in this house. God, I, I want to be someone where there is high honor and low criticism, high grace and low judgment. I don't want to deny weakness or brokenness, but I also don't want to accentuate that or focus on that. Just begin to get ask God, God, would you show me areas in my life where I have allowed pride and offense and criticism and judgment of other people, of leaders, of other sons and daughters and servants? that I've murmured, either in public, I've murmured and criticized in private and even just in my own heart. And God, I take that into my prayer times with you. And just like Miriam and Aaron, you heard it. You've seen it. And I want to bring it before you and ask God that you would forgive me. And by your grace, that if any relational division, if there's any self-destruction, if there's any fruit of criticism and pride, that's in my life, I ask God that you would forgive and you would heal, that you would help me, God. You would transform my heart. And Lord, I also pray for Citywide. If there's any people who, like Miriam, are outside this community because their heart isn't in a place to go low and to bring humility, Lord, I ask by your grace, just like Moses did, we pray for them. I ask that you would lead them into a deeper experience of your grace and mercy that would transform their heart, that they would be back in this community ministering in their position, their calling, their giftedness, Lord, their anointing, that they would be part of what you want to do in this city. God, I pray that you and your grace would not lead them to another church carrying their baggage of criticism with them bringing self-destruction and relational division into that new environment. God, I ask that you would cleanse your people from criticism and pride and arrogance, Lord, and let us be truly humble before you. And then, Father, pour out more grace in your name. Yeah, amen, amen. All right, one last thing before we leave. So we're gonna practice this real quick, okay? Just a little hors d'oeuvre. Turn to someone next to you, right or left. Look them in the eyes. Look them in the eyes. Hopefully you have a smile on your face. And I, hey, wait, wait, you're not done yet. That was just the awkward beginning, okay? I want you to say, I'm glad you're here. Say, I thank God for you. Say, I honor who God's called you to be. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, hey, that got real, didn't it? That ain't it, right? All right. Yeah. Let me send you out with a blessing. May citywide lead by going low. May citywide experience the uplifting call of God. May citywide continue to be a people that love, serve, bless, give, and release the love of God everywhere they go. Agreed? Amen. Have an amazing week. Bless you guys.